is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Hey there, I am late, but as the saying goes, it's better late than never, right? (laughs) To those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, I am Dr. Shalana Battle, and I want to extend a well welcome to our new listeners and those who are returning to a late but very great episode of The Eavesdrop. (laughs) Listen, let me tell you, last week just really got away from me, so please charge this late episode to my head and my busy schedule and not to my heart. I was present with you guys in spirit on Friday, okay? (laughs) But I do have an awesome episode lined up for you today and it is still March and we are still honoring women who are doing great things in their communities. Last week we honored Amy Hardera who is a doula and the creator of the Motherboard which is an excellent app for women and families who are bringing forth new life into the world and the week prior to that we had Dr. Cameron King who is a black female engineer and the founder of the Black Girl Scientist and let me tell you those women are amazing these are some amazing women and if you hadn't had the opportunity to check them out make sure that you go back and listen to those episodes but today I have a very special guest who was here to talk about a very important subject that many Many women and men for that matter have concerns about and that is getting adequate sleep. I can't tell you how often I come across women who have issues with sleeping at night and as we know when we don't get enough rest this can really really dictate how we feel and how we function on a daily basis. So here to talk about this with us is Ibenye Ashibodu Anyali and before she comes on to speak in honor of Women's History Month I just want to honor her and the work she is doing to help women get through anxiety and insomnia. She is a licensed therapist and the founder and owner of the Zenia Practice. She specializes in treating anxiety, brain spotting, which is very interesting and we talk a lot about that during the episode so definitely stay tuned for that. But she specializes in anxiety, brain spotting, couples therapy, and insomnia therapy. Today, in honor of Sleep Hygiene Awareness Day, which was Friday, March 18th, I have invited her on to talk about insomnia. We will be discussing what it is, what it looks like, common therapies, and so much more. You don't want to miss this, so buckle up. Here is the conversation.
Hello, everyone. Today we have Ibenye Ashubodu Anyali here with us on the eavesdrop. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we are so excited to have you. So March 14th through the 20th is National Sleep Week. And I wanted to commemorate this week with a conversation about insomnia and how we can all achieve good sleep. Um, because we both know that sleep is such an important part of our overall health, but is really taken for granted when we really think about it. And I'm just excited that you're here to lead us through this important discussion. But before we get into the topic today, can you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Binyo Shibodu Onyali, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in California and Texas. And I do three main things. So I work with people who struggle with anxiety and trauma. I also help people who are trying to build their communication in their marriages. And of course, the sleep part, I help people who struggle with insomnia learn how to fall asleep and stay asleep easily without pills. Awesome. So when we think about insomnia, it is considered one of the most common sleeping disorders. Can you explain what insomnia is? So the definition of insomnia is pretty simple. It's basically difficulty falling asleep and or staying asleep about three times a week for about three months. So it's like the rule of threes. Mm -hmm. You're having a hard time falling asleep and or staying asleep three times a week for about three months, then technically you do have insomnia. And what are the common reasons someone might develop insomnia? Because I don't think it's something that, you know, we have as children. I think it's something that does kind of develop over time. So what are some reasons why someone might develop insomnia? So sometimes it's due to physical health struggles, like for example, hormones, or like for example, perimenopause, or when you're in menopause, it could be due to, um, you know, imbalances in the body. It could be due to chronic pain, because if you're struggling with a lot of pain, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to sleep. Or if you're having some other type of health issues, something's going on with the kidneys, which is causing pain, something's going on with the liver, mm -hmm. which is causing pain, your levels are off, a vitamin deficiency in the body could also cause insomnia. It could also be due to something different in your situation. So for example, you just moved to a new home and so the environment is different for you or the environment is uncomfortable. There's something going on in the neighborhood. Neighborhood is getting really loud or there's a lack mm. of safety in the neighborhood that could cause insomnia. It could be a change in your environment in terms of your family life. Somebody just left the home. Somebody new moved into the home new baby just got born. We all know babies don't sleep. So that could also be a trigger for insomnia. So you just side note, women often struggle with insomnia more than men. And then there's also the mental health part, you know, things like trauma. That's a big one that a lot of people come to me for. They don't know they're struggling with trauma, but I often say insomnia is not really the main issue you're struggling with. It's actually the trauma. And then anxiety and depression also will for some people bring on insomnia. So it's physical health, environmental factors, and then mental health. So I believe that insomnia can be overlooked a lot because 
Some might put it off as I'm just stressed out or it just might be a change of life. Like I see that a lot when I care for women, you know, they do gear it towards their hormones and they're, they're changing. But what are some signs and symptoms that a person might have insomnia, which you kind of explained earlier, but can you go into like more detail about um, some of the signs and symptoms they might experience and how it is usually diagnosed? So a big red flag that points to someone having insomnia is how you feel in the morning when you're getting ready to do your regular activities. Are you feeling refreshed or are you exhausted? Are you yawning throughout the day? Or do you feel like you're alert? Are you able to focus on your regular activities, whether it's work, school, childcare, whatever it is that you're doing? Or do you find that your mind is wandering and you're just begging for sleep, for sleep time to come? That's typically a red flag that there's something going on with your sleep. Also at night, is the quality of your sleep good? So some people are getting the hours, they'll say they're getting six, seven, eight hours of sleep, but then they're not refreshed at all. That's typically a red flag that there's something going on with your sleep. And in terms of treatment, I typically tell my clients, the first step is to go to your primary care physician first. So go to your PCP or whoever it is that your medical provider is and let them know what's going on because it is important to rule out physical health first before we jump to mental health, because I'm a mental health practitioner, so I don't do physical health. So then have them just do blood work so that they can check all of your, your levels. So whether it's vitamin deficiency, whether it's mineral deficiency, whether it is hormonal deficiency, have them check everything to make sure that there isn't something secondary going on. And then after they have been able to fix that, then you'll be fine. But if they haven't been able to fix that physical thing, or if they say it's actually not physical, then the next step will be to seek out a sleep specialist. And a sleep, sleep specialist doesn't even necessarily have to be a physician. It could be a therapist. Like, like I focus on insomnia, but I'm not a physician. I'm a, a therapist. So I, but I would say start with your doctor first or your health practitioner first to make sure that they rule out anything that's physical. Yes. I'm glad you pointed that out because our body communicates with us when things are going on and definitely our sleep patterns when it's off is the way our body communicates with us. I do know that sometimes hormones play into why some women don't get sleep. Are you open to discussing a little bit about that? Yes. So a big one is perimenopause and menopause, because for a lot of women, when they're going through menopause, they have horrible hot flashes. How are you able to sleep when it feels like you live in a volcano? So that's a big one. And I do have to say to women, if you're in perimenopause, or if you're in menopause, there's no shame. Like, that's okay. You don't have to power through the hot flashes. You can go to your healthcare provider and ask them what options are out there for you. And for me, I really do believe that a lot of women are struggling with insomnia because they have so much on their plate. There's so much. They're dealing with work. They're dealing with school. They're dealing with kids. They're yeah. dealing with family. They're dealing with community. And a lot of women are just not taking care of themselves because they don't have enough hours in the day. So I would say start with your doctor first, ask them what your options are so that you're able to get those hormones balanced again so that you can then start to sleep. Because if you go to a sleep specialist 
and you're still struggling with those hot flashes, the sleep specialist is not going to really be able to do anything for you because it sounds like in that case, the primary cause is the menopause or the perimenopause. So once that mm -hmm. is balanced, then you can go to the sleep specialist who can then help you fine tune all of the things in terms of sleep. Okay, right. And then once someone is diagnosed with insomnia, what are some therapies they can expect to be offered to them? Okay. So if you start with your medical practitioner, honestly, a lot of medical practitioners just hand you a sleeping pill and that's what they do. What I would prefer would be to do that full blood panel and to rule out you know, all the deficiencies, right? So some will say, let's do full blood work so we can investigate and see if there's anything else going on. Some will just hand you pills. I would say, be your own advocate. If you're not comfortable with pills, let them know and ask them, what are some other options? And some will send you to a sleep lab to investigate things like sleep apnea because your breathing could actually affect your sleep as well. Some people um, will have, you know, issues with their jaw muscles or things like that, right? That also affects something physical. So they'll, they'll send you to another specialist to investigate other things going on. So that's good. So ask them all the different options. I really don't believe that sleeping pills should be the first line of action. Investigate all the other things first before you start the sleeping pills route because Unfortunately, sleeping pills don't necessarily have great outcomes. They haven't really been found to cure insomnia. They're more of a band-aid approach because they're not actually tackling the root cause of insomnia. So it'll be sleep lab, it'll be sleep specialist, it'll be blood work type of thing. Or if it's a physical ailment that's causing insomnia, then the doctor will be working to treat that physical ailment. So those are typically that. And then if it's anxiety or depression related, sometimes the physician, the PCP will then, um, will, will then give you an anti-anxiety or an antidepressant. So it really all just depends on the cause of the insomnia. And you just mentioned sleep apnea, and I'm glad you brought that up too. Sleep apnea can also be a sign if someone is not feeling like they're getting adequate rest. I've had some patients come through and say, you know, I sleep six hours. I feel like I sleep a long time, but I wake up and I feel so groggy. I'm so tired. I just feel like I'm not getting enough sleep. And that can be a sign of sleep apnea as well, too. There are some uh, women that I care for who report that they have problems falling asleep. And some may say that they are able to fall asleep, but they cannot stay asleep which you've mentioned before. What are some homeopathic remedies that can help those with these challenges achieve adequate rest? So for some people who aren't able to stay asleep, sometimes it's anxiety related. So mm -hmm. we'll do things like the deep breathing, we'll do things like muscle relaxation. For some people, it might be yoga. Um, for some people, they like to do like their specific teas. A lot of people like for relaxation and rest. Some people like, you know, essential oils like lavender, for example. Some people find that very soothing. And some people like to create an entire like spa environment in their home. Now, when I say spa, I don't mean that you have to break the bank and like repaint your room or anything. I mean, if you want to do that, that's great, but you don't have to do all of that. I usually say, when you walk into your bedroom, what feeling comes up for you? 
do you look at the bedroom and does it physically look like a wonderful restful place or do you get the feeling like oh I don't really like this place so think about <laughs> things like even the sheets that you're laying on you don't have to spend a ton of money on your sheets but are they soft are they comfortable are you washing them regularly um, what are you wearing to bed is it itchy and uncomfortable or is it soft and does it feel nice is it breathable if you're having hot flashes you probably don't want to be in a polyester blend because it does not breathe. You probably want to lean towards something that's cotton that helps you breathe a little bit more. The blankets, the room temperature, things of that nature are things that a lot of people don't really think about. And then also giving your time, yourself time and space when you jump into the bed. I think a lot of people expect that as soon as their head hits the pillow, they're supposed to fall asleep. So if you're somebody who's having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep, that's okay. Like don't, don't freak out. Because it is the anxiety that comes up when we wake up in the middle of the night that actually sustains insomnia. Insomnia is a stress response. And the more anxious we are about sleeping, the more the body actually stays alert and awake. Your body is designed to actually shut down when you are feeling good and stay alert when there's something bad going on. So if you're anxious and worried about your sleep all the time, your body's designed to stay awake and alert because it interprets that as there's something dangerous going on. So if you're having a hard time staying asleep, I always say, get out of the bed. If your body is saying it doesn't want to sleep, that's okay. You don't have to force it to sleep because when you're laying in bed for hours and hours and hours, that brings on anxiety, that brings on worry, that brings on chaos and stress. So it's okay, get out of the bed, go to the kitchen, get a glass of water, go read a book. You can even watch TV. Like if, if that feels relaxing to you, go do something else completely. And then after a while, when you're feeling that you're sleepy again, come back into the bed and, and try again. So that's okay. You don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. I like that because I think when someone doesn't get enough rest, it's that anxiety is there because I have something to do in the morning. I have to get up, I have to go to yes. work. And here I am just wondering, it's three o'clock in the morning, I can't go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I think that some people do need to hear that because that anxiety alone can, can just really disturb sleep. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of cognitive therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy and how it can help insomnia. Can you explain what CBT is and how can it be used to help insomnia? So CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is a type of therapy that we've used it for, for many, many years. People use it for trauma. People use it for anxiety. People use it for depression. It's really effective for a long, long list of mental health challenges. But the idea behind CBT, the cognitive part is the way you think. The behavioral part is your behavior. The idea behind it is our thoughts our feelings and our behavior are all tied to each other. If you change one, you change the other. And the premise between, behind CBTI, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, is that if you change the way you think about sleep and you change your behaviors about sleep, that will affect the way that you sleep. So for most people, when they're struggling to fall asleep or stay asleep, they have worry thoughts about sleep. So things like you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think is, oh, great, I'm going to have a horrible day because I didn't sleep at night. So then you're taking mm -hmm. that stress with you. Or in the evening, let's say your bedtime is 11 p.m., it's 8 p.m., you already start thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm probably going to have another crappy day. That thought, I'm going to have another crappy day, is going to bring up painful emotions for you, whether it's sadness, whether it is anxiety, whether it is fear, whether it's worry. And because of that, that's going to put your body on alert 
and your body's not going to be able to relax. So in CBTI, we, I teach you how to restructure your thoughts about sleep so that you're no longer triggering anxious and worried emotions so that then you're triggering more neutral um, emotions so that your body can move from stress mode to relaxation mode. So we work on your thoughts and your behavior and that then kicks your body into relaxation mode and when your body is able to physically relax, then it can shut down and sleep. A lot of people recommend, or a lot of healthcare providers, I should say, recommend that people get at least six to eight hours of sleep at bedtime. How do you feel about this? Do you think that everyone should have this amount of sleep? And how do we know when we have achieved adequate rest? So the struggle I have when people give a specific number about sleep is that it stresses out my insomnia clients because what they do now is they watch the clock all night and it reminds them of how they're failing in life. So they're like, great. I'm supposed to wake up at 6 a.m. and it's 3 a.m. and I only got two hours of sleep. I'm definitely not going to get the eight hours that people are saying I should be having. It puts more stress on the body. I believe that every adult has different sleep needs. Some of my clients, when we're finally done, they're sleeping seven hours and they say they feel amazing. I have some clients who get the same seven hours and they say, I just feel horrible. But when they get closer to nine hours of sleep, they feel recharged, they're alert, they're energized, and they're working at their optimal capacity. So I say, know your body and focus on what your body needs. No need to worry about how many hours that you're getting, Focus more on how your body is feeling. And then depending on what's going on in your life, in some periods of your life, you're going to need more sleep. Sometimes you'll you get less and, and you'll still feel okay. So for example, say you're working on a big project at work. You know that for the next three months, for example, let's say the project is a three-month project, you're only going to get six hours and you know, you'll be fine. Or in some other times, you just feel like, look here, I'm going to need a full nine hours every single day and you can schedule for that. So I say just it's take it on a case-by-case -case basis, a moment-by-moment basis, and don't put too much stress on the number that you're getting. Let's focus on quality over quantity. Yes, I like that too. Because it's not possible for everyone, especially if you work in a certain industry or an environment yep. where you're not able to get the, the adequate uh -huh. amount of rest that you need. Or if you have kids that you have to get to bed at uh -huh. night, you know, so you may not always get that six to eight hours of sleep. What are some everyday things that we do out of habit that might interfere with, with achieving adequate sleep? Our phones. Let me tell you something about <laughs> I knew that was going to be the first one. <laughs> I'm not guilty too. I'm not going to lie. Some nights when I can't fall asleep, what do I do? I just stretch my hand. I grab the phone and I'm staring. And I'm someone who the blue light in the phone, it really affects me. Like it just wakes me up. So that phone, ooh, if you are someone who you know that your phone affects your sleep, I suggest about an hour before bedtime, just know that, okay, I'm done with my phone. Like, don't be staring at the phone. If you have to listen to music or something in your bed, I tell everybody, just turn your phone the other way so that you're not seeing the light, but you're still hearing the music that you're listening to. So the phone is a big one. Another one is not having a bedtime. I know that for many of us, you know, we had bedtimes growing up. And so when we grew up and we left our parents' home, we rebelled and we're like, I'm grown. I don't need a bedtime. Let me tell you something. 
you need a sign of freedom there when you didn't have yes. a bedtime you were grown. Yes. <laughs> yeah i'm grown i can go to bed whenever i want look here if you are not 19 or 21 i promise you you, you need a bedtime you do need a bedtime reason being your body needs to know when it's supposed to shut down and when it's supposed to wake up. So I suggest give yourself plus or minus one hour and just say, I want to go to bed between 10 and 11 every day. And I want to wake up between whatever and whatever time every day that becomes predictable for your body. And then your body knows when it's supposed to produce melatonin, which will then help you sleep at night. So it's like a neurotransmitter thing. Your body needs to know what it needs to be doing. But if you're going to bed at all different hours of the night, like today you're going to bed 3 a.m., tomorrow you're going to bed 6 p.m., tomorrow, it's hard, which is why my heart goes out to people whose schedules aren't really predictable. They really, really struggle um, with their circadian rhythms. So try and give yourself a specific bedtime and a specific wake-up time. It's not only for kids. It's great for adults, too. Another thing that I see people do is just they're on Google. They're searching every possible thing regarding insomnia. And I get it because when you struggle with sleep, you're suffering. It just feels so awful. But the problem with all these millions of searches that you're doing is a lot of times they're not necessarily helpful or the information that they give you just isn't very accurate. And then what it does, it just gives you much more anxiety. So don't be the one who's on WebMD diagnosing yourself. Leave that to the professionals. Let us do all the hard work for you. So that's another thing. And then last thing I would say is the temperature in the room. Again, it's very important that you get to know your body. Some people, their bedrooms are running way too hot. So if you're drenched in sweat every night, something has to give, you know, get yourself a little fan or just something to just keep you cool or strip off the huge blanket. You know, I'm a California girl. So that's why I'm speaking like this. People who are on the East Coast are like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, so watch the temperature and ensure that you're actually feeling comfortable in the middle of the night because mm-hmm. body temperature is linked to sleep. When your body is warmer during the day, your body produces certain hormones and neurotransmitters to help you stay awake and alert. And then as the sun goes down, the outside temperature cools, your body temperature is supposed to cool as well. Body then starts to produce melatonin. So all of these things really do affect. And the last thing I would say is actually exercising at the wrong times. Now, bear in mind that all of these things I'm saying, they're on a case-by-case basis. I am someone who, not to lie, I can drink a cup of coffee at 9 p.m. And then by 10 p.m., I'm fast asleep. Like, give me a pillow. I'm, I'm out. Like, I look, I can not sleep. <laughs> I can sleep. It's not a problem, right? And I can exercise at 9 p.m. And 9.30, I'm hitting the bed and I'm fine. Everybody cannot do that. Mm-hmm. So don't do what everybody around you is doing. Focus on your body and ask yourself, you know, when you cannot sleep at night, the first thing you should ask yourself is what changed? Am I stressed out today? Did somebody say something to me? What does the environment look like? Am I worried about something? Is my body feeling okay? Am I about to fall sick? Like just check in with yourself. If let's say you're on medication, have I been taking my medication lately? Like what has changed in my pattern? So check in with yourself. And the goal is if you're going to exercise, exercise no more, well, within no more than 
three to six hours of bedtime, right? So if your bedtime is 10, your cutoff should be say 7 p.m. Again, because of body temperature, because when you exercise, your body gets really warm and the body associates warm temperature with waking up because that's just the way the world goes. The sun goes up during the day and it gets warmer. And at night, the sun goes down and it gets cooler. So that's just the way our bodies are wired. Yeah, yeah that's important to know because a lot of us who work nine to five typically mm -hmm. try to go and work out at the end of the day. Right. You know, right before bedtime. I usually share this with a lot of my patients who come and complain about not being able to sleep. Right. Um, I First thing I ask them, do you work out and what time? And a right. lot of them say, oh, I work out right before bed. And it's not really a good thing to do because it, it right. confuses the body. You know, it makes you just want to be active when it's time right. to tone it down. Yeah. Right. So we're going to switch up a little bit and talk about brain spotting. And you and I spoke about an interesting concept uh, that you know so well, <laughs> and it's called brain spotting as a form of therapy that can help individuals who suffer from anxiety. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about it and give us a little bit more insight. Yes. Brain spotting is this technique that I absolutely just love. And in addition to my insomnia work, I want to shout it from the rooftops every single day. My clients are sick of me at this point. They're like, be quiet with this brain spotting thing. You need to stop telling us about it because I'm so pumped about it. So the idea behind brain spotting is where you look affects how you feel, right? So your eyes are basically an out outgrowth of your brain. The eyes just come out from the brain. So they're connected to the brain. When you go through anxiety or trauma or something difficult, all of that information, all of that experiences is kept in the body and it is stored in a very specific place in the brain. Now, sometimes your, your brain will kind of lock that away because it's just helping to protect you. Because if I spent every waking minute thinking and processing my trauma, I'm not going to be able to take care of my kids. I'm not going to be able to drive on the freeway. I'm not going to be able to function. So the body does need to put it away, store it in a box so that you can go through your everyday life. So in a brain spotting session, what I do is, and I have a bunch of tools that I use is I help you find your brain spot. That is that location in the brain where if you look at that spot, it begins to unlock that trauma, but in a gentle way, and your brain will know how much to bring up and what information to bring up. So I use a pointer that sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, sometimes I just have you look and you bring up that information, but it is so gentle. You're conscious. I'm not in control. I don't tell you what information to bring up. Like you just start to naturally, gently bring up the information and you now start to process. When some people are processing during brain spotting sessions, some people are completely quiet, like 45 minutes of just quiet. But for me as a therapist, when I look at your face, I can see that you're processing because we have involuntary muscle movements that we make when we're thinking. So think about when you're talking to someone, you'll notice that our eyes will move. So if I'm thinking about something, my eyes might move up to the right or my eyes might move up to the left or I might look down. 
we're not actually looking at anything specifically in those points. It's our brain trying to process. So that's the same thing in brain spotting. And if I look up to the right, you can kind of see how my, my, you know, my brows look and they're frowny. It's just my brain bringing up information. So I help you find that brain spot, that spot where the, the brain wants to process information. I create that safe space for you and you just start to process in the way that you do. Some people talk, some people don't, some people do a mixture of, of those. And through that process of the brain spotting, we actually heal that portion of the brain where the trauma is being stored because trauma does affect your brain. So our, our brains can actually heal. I also love it because some of my clients are very quiet or they don't necessarily want me to know all their business. I get that, even though it's confidential. So I have to respect all different cultures and those ones are very quiet in the way they process. So you don't even have to tell me what you're processing. You could just be like, I know what I'm processing. Okay, I'll find your brain spot. And then you're quiet, you process it, you get your healing and you're like, see me, see you next week. So this process, I like it because it's not about the therapist at all. It's all about you. You're in control, you're in the lead. And so for someone who's been through trauma, trauma is a very like power-based dynamic where the person who traumatized you was in charge. You are in charge and your body gets to move in a way that feels safe for you. So it's, it's pretty wild. I, I love it. So for example, just to make sure that I'm understanding, like in a session where you are using brain spotting to kind of get intuitive with the, the your mm -hmm. client, you're allowing them to just talk on their own terms yes. and whatever they they're saying to you, you use that and you to kind of define what it is that they're going through or I'm not even, I'm mm -hmm. not even talking. Like that's how oh, wow. I'm not even talking. <laughs> so let's say for example, you experienced a car accident. Let's say that was your trauma and it's really okay. affecting you, you can't get back on the freeway. You haven't driven in four months mm -hmm. and you want to break about that because you need to go back to work and you know, you need to drive. So mm -hmm. you'll come in, I'll ask, what would you like to brain spot today? And you'll say my car accident. Now, mm -hmm. unlike other forms of trauma therapy, where they say, walk me through, and you now have to tell me it was on a Tuesday, it was raining. I was wearing mm -hmm. a red jacket. Like you I almost re-traumatize you. A lot of people don't want to go back there again. Right. So you say, I want to just brain spot the car accident. Then I ask you, you know, what emotion comes up for you when you're thinking about the car accident? And you tell me, like, I don't tell you, I don't guide you. You tell me, you can say fear, anger, whatever it is. Say, okay, mm -hmm. where do you feel that in your body? And you'll tell me in my head, in my chest, whatever. You focus on that. While focusing mm -hmm. on that, I find your brain spot. I have a pointer that I hold, like, let's say, for example, this is the pointer. You're looking at the spot and then you just start to process on your own. So a lot of therapies are for the benefit of the therapist. Mm. You're explaining to me what is going on in brain spotting. You don't have to explain anything to me. Like you're just processing whatever is coming up in your head. You're just saying it out loud. I don't even have to understand what you're saying because it's not about me. It's all about you. And by the time mm -hmm. you get it off your chest, session is over. I tell you to kind of like bring yourself back. That's it. You're done. Oh, wow. For those who process quietly, I've literally had a bunch of clients who the whole session, they literally say nothing other than those prompts at the beginning. When we have like mm -hmm. two minutes to go, I tell them to wrap it up and they say, I'll see mm -hmm. you next week. So it's not for my benefit, mm -hmm. it's for your benefit. 
Right. And I'm sure with those clients over time, as they build a rapport with you and they come back, you'll probably get more out of them as far right. as with the brain spotting too. And right. I like that because it gives the person power over yeah. their situation in a way. Yeah. I love that. Right. Yeah. I said I was going to try that <laughs> with my <Right>. patients. <laughs> it is. And, and another thing yeah. that is for brain spotting is not only for trauma, Brain spotting can help with anxiety and it can help with any type of mental block. So let's say, for example, you're a writer and you're having writer's block and you're, you're just like, what is going on? My brain is feeling foggy. We can brain spot that. If you're an athlete and let's say, you know, there's a specific move that you, you've, you haven't done for months and you don't know what mm. is going on. We can, I thought about Simone Biles. I'm like, man, yes, she right? needs brain spotting because she keeps yeah. talking about these. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I bet you we can brain spot that to kind of help her with that block. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty wild. It just helps you with whatever mental block that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you think about brain spotting and hypnotherapy, like what is the difference between the two? So one is conscious. So brain spotting mm-hmm. is very conscious. You are fully aware of your body. You're fully aware of your body. You're in charge. You are in control. I do not speak. The only mm-hmm. thing I'll say to you is, you know, what happened what do you want to brain spot? And you can decide to be like, I don't want to tell you. And I'm like, that's fine. As long as you have something in your mind, you want to brain spot. Where do you feel it in your body? What number do you feel it at? That is literally it. And then when the session is over, I just kind of bring you back. That's it. I don't ask you any questions. I think we think that in therapy, the therapist is like the one in charge and I'm the one that's supposed to be giving you the advice. And nope, in brain spotting, you will learn that all the answers are already in your brain. I just teach you how to unlock that. And you answer all the questions yourself. So you have all the power. You can stop whenever you want to stop. I don't tell you when to stop. Some people in the middle of the session, they'll be like, okay, I'm done. And I'm like, all right, I don't push you, nothing. You're in charge. With hypnotherapy, it is an inactive form of therapy. So meaning you're almost, it's almost like you're asleep or sleepwalking. And then the therapist steps forward and starts to guide you where they want you to go. In brain spotting, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any guiding. You are the one that's in charge of the session. You tell mm-hmm. me what you want to do. Your brain unlocks what it wants to unlock and it, it knows when it's ready. And mm-hmm. I don't interpret anything for you at all. So whatever comes up for you, there's no like, what do you think? I bring it back to you. What do you think that that means? And you start to come up with answers. So it's, it's a very mm-hmm. empowering form of therapy. So I'm just the guide. I'm not, I'm not in charge at all. The client is in charge. So with brain spotting, you've mentioned that it's good for clients who may be shy or may not want to talk much or who have yeah. had trauma and don't really want to live through the trauma or yes. um, athletes, you know, mm-hmm. or just someone who may have like brain fog. I know we're talking about brain spotting, but yes. just a little bit about hypnotherapy, like who, what clients would benefit from hypnotherapy? So with hypnotherapy, I see, I'm not trained in hypnotherapy, but right. a lot of people that I know go to hypnotherapy will go for things like phobias. So mm-hmm. let's say they want to go to Disneyland, but they're terrified of rides and they don't know why. And mm-hmm. they'll go there and then they'll help guide them through that fear. So a lot of like fearful things, they'll go mm-hmm. for that. Brain spotting, I find, is also very helpful for those clients who have done like regular talk therapy. A lot of my clients, they've been to every therapist out there and they feel like they'll say to me, 
I'm all talked out. I feel like I've talked and talked and talked and I've learned some things, but I don't think I'm all the way there. I want to try something different. So I'm like, I, I got different for you. Great spotting is pretty different. And so that's what we do. So if, if you're not the type who wants to be analyzed and to talk and talk and talk a lot, brain spot. And the thing about brain spotting is it follows you outside of session. So we unlock it in session. Your brain will still, depending on the client, some people a week after they're like, I'm having dreams about that thing, but not, I'm not talking nightmares. So that's the thing. It's very gentle. Mm -hmm. They're having dreams and they're getting insight. And some of my clients will like start to journal right there and they'll bring it to me in therapy. So again, it's all depends on the client. So I don't direct them to do anything on their own. They'll just start writing and they'll say, I would like to share it with you. I don't say share with me. You just do what you want. Some will, mm -hmm. after the brain spotting session, they'll be like, I want to share with you what was going on in my mind. And I'm like, sure. Some are like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to go home. I'm like, okay. So that's why I like a hypnotherapy. The, the therapist is the one that's directing the process. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think when someone has struggled with so much trauma, they need to be in control. They need to be, in, be empowered. Yeah. So for, and they need to see what safety looks like. So my job mm -hmm. is I provide a safe container where their brains can process. They tell me when they want to stop. They tell me when they want to start. They're like, I, I'm just sitting there in the background, making sure they're safe. And mm -hmm. that's basically it. Okay. All of this was wonderful. You're so full of knowledge. <laughs> And listen, I am so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I want um, you to tell everyone where they can learn more about you, learn more about Spotting, how they can follow you okay. and possibly receive your services. All right. So you can find me at the Zinnia practice. Zinnia is Z-I-N-N-I-A practice. So the Zinnia practice, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm much more active on Instagram. Um, you see me acting a fool with my reels. That's okay. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I believe that therapy can be fun, right? And I believe that mm. your therapist should be human. So I'm human. So come watch me dance and be foolish on Instagram. Yes. Enjoy it. And then my website is thezinniapractice.com. Regarding insomnia, you can work with me in so many different ways. I run um, online groups. I'm actually about to have a webinar on March 10th. It's open to everyone. It's called my three secrets for getting rid of insomnia without pills and without getting obsessed with sleep hygiene. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see it there, right mm -hmm. there in the link um, in the bio. So you can work with me that way for brain spotting. Same thing. If you find me on Instagram or my website, you'll see it's all over there, how to work with me. We can book a consult with me so that way you don't have to jump in if you're not ready. And we'll talk to see if we're a great fit because I believe fit is very important when it comes to a therapist. I won't just take your money. I'll make sure that I can actually help yeah. you or it's, it's very important for me to have integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe in being real. So the way you hear me now, that's how I am in session. I do cut up and act mm -hmm. the whole school. And that's who I am. <laughs> but that makes the whole experience comfortable, you right. know, where you know if the if the therapist can be themselves and that just right. creates the environment for you to be able to be yourself too. And mm -hmm. I just love that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Ebony, for being here. I can't thank you enough for taking your time out to share your expertise with us. I hope to work with you in the future for sure. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I love thing. to work with you. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. wild. And I say wild because that's what I tell every client. 
And then when mm-hmm. they do it, they're like, this was wild. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I wish you all really good sleep and a healed brain. Yes, good sleep. Let's just celebrate sleep today. Find some way to get some good sleep. (laughs) Right. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Eavesdrop. I hope that you enjoy Ebene. And as always, I hope that you learned something new. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to learn how to keep posted on The Eavesdrop news, be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. Also, you may subscribe to the mailing list by visiting the website at www theeavesdroppodcast.com if you have questions or would like to suggest a show topic you may visit the website or just email me at drshalanabattle at gmail.com you may also find all of the resources mentioned in this podcast episode in the show notes well until the next episode be well be whole and be blessed bye